Well, last Sunday we kind of, we've been talking about our, our spirituality, which is just our, our passion, and what do we do with our passion, and how do we have uh, uh, growth and transformation in our life. And, and last Sunday we kind of had a kind of a little miniature Good Friday sermon in the middle of the summer, uh, as far as just our need to, to die, you know, to die to things, and we're going to kind of continue on with that, with, with this idea of clinging. You know, what do we cling to and what do we hang on to and our, and our need to let go? And so this is a, an Easter, an Easter passage. So I'm going to read from the Gospel of John, the 20th chapter, and verses uh, 11 through 18 here. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. And when she had said this, she turned around, and she saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? And supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabunai, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me. In the translation I'll be working with today, it says, Do not cling to me, which is a very interesting thing to say. Do not cling on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Amen. So Jesus, uh, he says to Mary, and she has to be very excited to see him and know that he's there and he's alive. And, and I'm, I imagine that she was probably wanting to hold him and hug him. And his first words are, do not cling to me. Which I think is a very interesting thing to say to someone that you love very, very much. Do not cling to me. Don't hang on to me. And if we take those words um, today, what are we clinging to? What are we hanging on to? It could be ideas, it could be thoughts, it could be patterns, it could be old pains and wounds. What are we clinging to? Let's just take a few moments to pray privately and silently about that. Let us pray. Amen. Well, our, uh, our daughter, uh, Andy, she's, uh, in a couple of weeks, she's going to be on her way to, to Sacramento to work with AmeriCorps in a program called City Year. And she just graduated, I think I, I told you, she just graduated from college with a degree in, in religion and sociology. And for her senior research project, she interviewed, uh, I'll, I'll call them inclusive faith leaders, uh, to get their ideas and thoughts as far as how they, their, their images of God. And specifically, how do they imagine and work with the, the feminine aspects of God as well as the, the masculine images of God as well? 
And so she wrote this paper, and she spent probably the whole semester interviewing, gathering information, and synthesizing, get it all grouped together, and find these, these common ideas and thoughts about their images of God. And uh, as she always does with her papers, she, she sends the rough draft to Jennifer, and Jennifer does some editing and makes some comments and everything. And, and this paper is like 15, 20 pages long. And so Jennifer sent it back with, with some editing comments and everything. And then she also called Andy up and said, Andy, she goes, I read your paper. I loved it. Uh, I liked all the people you interviewed. She goes, I was really fascinated by this pastor, Greg. I liked what he had to say. He just seemed like a really interesting person. She goes, you think I could maybe meet him sometime? I I just kind of like to pick his brain and talk to him some. And Andy says, Mom. (laughs) Mom, you share the same bed with him every night. (laughs) She goes, I changed the names of the people I interviewed to protect their identity. (laughs) She goes, Greg is... Craig. (laughs) And she went, really? (laughs) And then I think she said, ooh. (laughs) Well, we laugh about this all the time. (laughs) But I've been asking, why couldn't she recognize me? And I think, uh, and I'm no different is, uh, especially if you're in a close relationship with somebody, uh, sometimes we happen to to notice, uh, and I'm the same way, I notice everything that's maybe not so great about them, (laughs) but I don't notice any of the good stuff. (laughs) And and we change and we evolve over time. Uh, I remember we had a a good friend, uh, Jean Welder, and she was in her mid-80s, and she got married when she was 20 years old. And she goes, I've really have changed and I evolved and I've grown. But to my husband, I'm still 20 years old. And he hasn't been able to see the changes in myself and my personality or even how I have changed physicals. That part is actually good. But (laughs) my thoughts and my ideas have changed. Well, quite often we have a hard time seeing that we are continually changing and, and becoming new. And we're just like Mary there. And often she's, she's looking at an older version or an older reality of Jesus. And today I'd just like for us to take some time to ask, can we see God? Can we see the Holy Spirit doing new things? Not only in us, but in our family. Can we see God working in our community? Can we see God working in our world and bringing this new heaven here on earth? Or do we just cling, do we hold on to old images and and ideas and patterns that are not necessarily bad, but maybe we have a new understanding? Or do we cling on to the old and we resist any movement or any newness? 
the newly resurrected Christ says something very interesting, as I was mentioning, and for me it's very profound, and I've read this passage uh, so many times, but I've never really have paid much attention to that one particular verse here. Initially, Mary cannot recognize Jesus. She thinks he's the gardener, and she's stressed, she's worried, she's mourning. And then he calls her by name, and she sees him for the first time. And Jesus says to her, do not cling to me. It's very interesting, because we know he loves her. He cares about her. Do not cling to me or do not hold on to me. And Father Richard Rohr says, he interprets that to say, do not hang on to your needy, false self. (laughs) It's always clinging. Do not hang on to your needy, false self. He says, we are heading to something bigger and better, Mary. And she's clinging to the old reality of Jesus. The pre-resurrection Jesus, which is not bad. And she's not fully experiencing the new reality of the risen Christ. We are heading to something bigger and better, Mary. Let go of the old. And how difficult is that for us to let go of an older image we might have of someone, an old idea? We probably all had those moments where something we just have believed throughout our life and one day it seems it happens over time, but one day we wake up and go, that's not true. And it's hard to let go of that. We are heading to something bigger and better in Christ. <clears throat> Richard Rohr, Father Richard Rohr says, this is the, the spiritual art of detachment which is not taught very much in our culture where clinging and possessing and owning and hanging on is not just the norm, but it is the goal. (laughs) To hang on to it as much as we can hang on to. When we hang on or cling uh, to someone or something, we are often trapped. And there's no movement. There is no growth. And God is constantly creating new and better things and people. A greater consciousness, you might even call it. Great love or grace is both very attached, very passionate, and at the very same time, that love is very detached. Love does not insist on its own way. Love is not addiction. Love is not control. Love is not possessive. And Jesus says, Mary, do not cling to me. So what are we hanging on to today? Which prevents us from experiencing the newness of that Holy Spirit moving through our lives in our world. You might even say, what are we trying to control and keep it or someone the same there? And this clinging can take many, many forms. It's infinite, the ways that we cling and the things we cling to and the people we we cling to. Jennifer and I, as we speak, uh, we're in the middle of a clinging, I wouldn't call it a crisis, but we're in the middle of this clinging scenario. (laughs) 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 It's been going on for a couple of years now. Our children are now young adults. They're 21 and 23 years old. And we're still clinging to the many ways and to those images and the fondness of their their childhood. 
and we miss those days. And when they were young kids, five, six, seven years old, we could tell them to brush their teeth, wear a coat. They would ask us permission to go out and play with their friends, and and we would pepper them with questions. Where are you going? Who are you going to be playing with? How long are you going to be gone? And we would have these conversations, and they would listen to us. And now they don't ask. (laughs) Don't tell us what to do. We are adults now. Well, can we let go? Can we let go of that? Can we let them become adults? Can we let the spirit of being an adult come into their life? Will we let them grow up? Or will we cling to what once was? And it's difficult. (laughs) It's very difficult to let go. And that clinging road goes both ways. (laughs) It goes both ways in this particular scenario. While they might say, I am an adult now, the very next breath we might hear, oh, by the way, can I have some money for gas? (laughs) Or there will be a day very shortly when we say, well, next year, you need to pay for your own car insurance. (laughs) You need to find out how to get your own health insurance. So while they're wanting us to let go, there's also their need to cling to that security of family and parents taking care of so much. So what are we clinging to? What are we hanging on to in our lives? As we talked about that need to die and to let go of things last week, we cling to our youth. Think of how much time we spend hanging on. We want to be youthful and energetic. Uh, You remember how we used to try to keep up with the latest music? And after a while, I go, I just can't do this anymore. (laughs) We want to look youthful and everything. And at some point, we have to say, my youth is gone. And we let it go. But each part of our life has its own blessings. And I think each part can be richer and better than the previous part. So we die, we let go of our youth. We have ideas of the good life. Remember the images and the ideas we had of the perfect family or the perfect marriage? They're not necessarily bad. But it creates a lot of tension, a lot of struggle. At some point, we just let it go and say, this is it. (laughs) This is it. And we can enjoy the moment. And sometimes we can even enjoy the struggle as we learn to love and to forgive. And there's beauty in letting go. We cling to dreams. These hopes that we have. And they can be good dreams, but maybe a new dream comes in its place. A new reality, which is even better, but we couldn't think of it because we're still hanging on to an old dream. And we cling to ideas. Uh, Different theologians, they said that, uh, we call it stinking thinking. And they'll say that anywhere, I've heard anywhere from 70% to 95% of our ideas we need to let go of. I like my ideas. (laughs) But letting go and letting that new spirit of God shape us 
inform us. And we even need to let go of ideas of God in church. The bigger United Methodist Church, this is a large part of our discussion right now. <clears throat> I think it's the reason we're going to a split. Some people are wanting to hang on to what once was. And other people are saying, no, we can be a new church. We can better represent who God is and that love and that grace and that inclusion. And we're struggling with letting go of what's, what, what once was. <clears throat> I've been in, in meetings in the United Methodist Church and people are saying, what should we do or how can we revive the church? And, and people were very sincere. I remember them pulling out a list of what was going on from 1965 to 1968. This is what we need to do. Well, it wasn't bad, but does it serve us now? Or is there a new creation, a new spirit moving through us? <clears throat> Clingers yearn nostalgically for the good old days. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> And I loved my, my grandma, my grandma Pritt. She was a lifelong learner. She was very faithful to the United Methodist Church. And she would hear people talk about the good old days. And she would say, Craig, she goes, I lived during the good old days. <laughs> and she said, they weren't that good. <laughs> she goes, I love my life so much more now. And she was able to let go and embrace that which is new and better. <clears throat> our devotional, our denominational split though, as I mentioned, is in a lot of ways about clinging. Some people say we can just restore the church to its former glory. We just need some good old time religion. <laughs> I can tell you one little 23-year-old young adult who didn't think it was so great. <laughs> And she loves the church. And she wants to challenge that patriarchy and embrace a new, loving, more inclusive God. That's the future. Can we let go of some of these images and ideas, especially in our denomination? Can we let go of that hateful language which excludes and demoralizes people? That same group says, we just need to enforce the book of discipline. Language which devalues gays and lesbian people, prevents them from being fully serving God as ministers. Can we let go of that and embrace a more loving, a more graceful, I'd even call a more biblical God? And we struggle with that. <clears throat> and even people who are, are ready to see the old United Methodist Church die, they cling as well. They hang on to the old pain and the wounds of the past. And they're unable to let go and embrace this new future. The new reality of how great and vast God's love is. <clears throat> Father Ron Rollheiser says, by clinging, <clears throat> by clinging to what once was, we cannot recognize God's presence in a new reality. God is creating something new and better. And it's ongoing. Paul says, everything old has passed away. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new in Christ. 
And it's a challenge for us. Maybe the hardest spiritual challenge of our lives. Can we let go? Do we believe that God is creating something new and better? In every part of life and society, we're always going to have our challenges, but there's always that, that newness of life coming forth, bringing something better and more. <clears throat> Two disciples, you know, after, uh, <clears throat> after Jesus talks to Mary... Two disciples are walking to Emmaus after Jesus' death and resurrection. And they're mourning His passing. They're trying to make sense out of life. And what are they going to do next? And Jesus, the risen Christ, shows up. And He walks with them. And much like Mary, they do not recognize Him. Why can't they recognize Him either? He's only been dead or absent for a day and a half. And they don't recognize him. Rollheiser says they are so focused on his former reality. Their former image of him. Their former understanding of him. That they now they are not open to seeing him. As he walks with them. In the present moment. And for all of us. We must continually let go of the God of our past in order to recognize the God who actually walks beside us today. We're continually letting go. And Novation said a very interesting thing. He was a fourth, one of these 4th century Christian mystics. And he said, God does not change. And I agree with that 100%. God does not change. But our understanding of God changes. Our awareness. Our understanding of God's love changes. Our understanding of who God loves changes. And that circle of compassion, that circle of love just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until no one is left outside of it. And once we finally move forward and say gays and lesbians and transgender people are fully welcome into God's kingdom, there will be something else. And it will challenge us to say this is how big God is in that love. And we're continually growing. Becoming more and more like Christ. And it's not just God, but our thoughts, our ideas, our patterns of, of living. All of these things that no longer lead to new life or service. The Trinitarian God is doing a new and a better thing within us in working through our world. There's a legend, and I don't know if it's true or not, a legend that says, if you want to catch a monkey, I'm sure you've heard this, all you have to do is put a banana in a, in a, in a jar that has a narrow opening, put a banana in there, and the monkey will reach into that, through that narrow opening and grab the banana. And it wants to take that banana out and eat it, but it will not let go of the banana. In order to be free, in order to be liberated, it has to let go. But it will not let go of that banana. The original title I had for this sermon is, Are We More Wise Than a Monkey? <laughs> I think that's a yes and a no. <laughs> Can we let go? 
Do we have the strength, the courage to let that Spirit move through us and to be truly free and just experience that Spirit moving through us to new thoughts and ideas. We learn and we grow from the past, but it's something new, something better. Are we willing to let go? Mary does let go of Jesus, that former reality of Jesus. And she receives a new spirit, a new understanding. And I pray for all of us today, and especially our church, that uh, I didn't talk a whole lot, that we may properly mourn our losses and our deaths. There will probably come a time within the next couple of years that sign out front is going to change. And I've been thinking about it already. We're going to have to have a ritual, a ceremony, when we take that sign down. And there's going to be tears. And there will be sadness. But as that old sign comes down, we're going to put a new one in its place. And it'll have the word Methodist in it somewhere. <laughs> we don't even know what it's going to say. But it's going to say, we, God's love, is bigger and more inclusive than what we've been practicing. And we will let the whole community know that we are not going to be part of this exclusion. That we are going to welcome more and more people. That everyone is included in God's love, in God's grace. And so I pray for us today. Can you show that picture, Amaris? With the monkey there. Yeah. <laughs> That's all we need to remember today. <laughs> Can we just let go? And it is a process. It's a, maybe a lifelong process. But may we let go. And as they say, let go and let God. Amen. Thank you.